greater than two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe. Greater than Albert Einstein greater than greater than quotabulary. Dash. What is medicine to the American citizen? From my experience, that is dependent on the citizen. Medicine can be an old bag of bones and extraordinarily hot temperatures in a hide-covered hut of wood. It can be a concoction of substances you don't want to know about poured down the gullet of the sick and dying lying on a bed of straw in the recesses of the Atchafalaya. Or it could be a double-dose shot of penicillin in an urgent care clinic in a suburb of New York City intended to chase the feverish nightmares away. In other words, medicine canon has been a plethora of cures and treatments and continues to be in the United States. To believe otherwise is arrogant and egotistical of the modern medical world. It comes down to culture, ethnicity, and social upbringing as to what medicine means to a people. So yes, let's look at the facts of what medicine is and is not within America and who is providing it. And what it can be. But first we must examine who is providing medical care within our borders, even the kind we don't necessarily consider to be real medicine. Dash. First, is the person offering, or receiving, the medicine white, red, black, or yellow? Rich, poor, or right down the middle of the road in terms of income? From the left or right side of the tracks? A greaser or a sosh? What the? All right, all right, smooth your racist feathers for a moment and return to the subject at hand. Medicine in America. I'm not singling anyone or anything out. Just pointing out facts of life in our dear country. Or do you honestly believe racism, nepotism, social or economical inequality, and all those other nasty little issues you've been complaining about don't exist within in the American healthcare system or our country today? If you don't, then chow, have a great life believing that. Oh, and stop the whining on Facebook, Twitter, and the media. Dash. But, in the real world, I would have to say that my favorite person in any type of medicine is the medicine man, or woman. Is this medicine man a secret bearer or tell the world? you know, the family secret recipe or bear it all, good, bad and indifferent and to hell with the consequences, type of person? Truthfully? Maybe a little bit of both. The issue is that modern medicine does not have the corner on healthcare and medical treatment and never has. It simply looks healthier, safer, and cleaner in the post-industrial age of the United States of America. In reality? Even with all the hyperallergenic treatments available and the don't touch me or I'll die fanaticism we hear these days, Modern medicine is least effective at keeping us safe. Why else do you think created superbugs in secret labs are causing a pandemic and killing us instead of natural ones? COVID-19. Back to medicine, the old-fashioned kind, the type of medicine where people actually put energy into the treatment, oh, you know. They sing songs in ancient chants and languages and toss hot water on flaming hot coals while all of you inhale cleansing hot steam and you boil from the inside out and the outside in. How does something like this constitute medical treatment? Any MDs or ODs, even NPs or PAs have an answer they want to share? I'd love to hear it myself. Is all this merely an opening for severe dehydration and problems or is there something to it? Dash. What was the purpose of the tribal chant and dance do while the Native American medicine man or healer tend to the wounded or sick in that tortuous sweat lodge? Or was there even a purpose? Was it a party? Why bother? After all, we simply call the doctor, make an appointment that doesn't conflict with our busy work schedules or family time and get her done. Right? Why would an entire tribe or community lose an entire week of harvest, hunting, or packing time to bother with a member they barely knew while the healer spent his or her time in the hut with them? Why indeed? It's called tending the soul or mind while the body is being healed or treated, especially if the warrior or tribal member was important. 
More than the body needs healed and that takes the tribe, the family, friends, and community around the one who is ill or hurt to impart. Dash. When is the last time you showed, not told a friend or family member that you cared about them and wanted them to stay healthy or be better when they were sick or leaving for a doctor's appointment? When was the last time you attended an appointment with them and they didn't need you to? That is the equivalent to the chant, a dance, a tribe taking time away from the harvest to care for the tribal member being attended to by the tribal healer. Have you stopped a moment to pray honestly pray for that person while they were being tended? That is what they are doing in their own religious way. Have you sung a song from your church book in petition for their health? That is what they are doing. It takes energy to help others. It takes effort to show them you care. It takes love to make a difference in someone's life to make them want to stay around especially when they are ill and it looks as if there are no options for cure. That is the purpose of the chants and the songs and the prayers and the love of the tribe. Sickness was scary to the people. They didn't understand what it meant for not only the person who lay ill or dying, but themselves. It's not so different today. Dash. Where medicine is defined today. WHO decides healthcare tomorrow. Will the tribe, American citizens, decide how we receive our healthcare tomorrow or will the Supreme Court? Unfortunately, I don't know. It's looking more and more like the men and women in the black robes of the court will have that honor. Why? Because access and availability to the basic foundational blocks of healthcare in America are being denied to the legally protected citizens of the land. They aren't being denied because someone is breaking the law, they are being denied because of pressure from said government agencies themselves for political purposes and generalized, unsubstantiated statistics. Addiction is a problem. Illegal and synthetic illegal opioid addiction as well as deaths by overdose is a serious issue in America. The statistics for prescription opioid addiction and overdose deaths cannot be substantiated to match those numbers because they are not studied to that specificity. They are generalized into the addiction data. Statistics prove nothing. Statistics alone are data. They are specific measurements of specific data points or elements slash groups of people, items, traffic, accidents, etc. over a specific time, in specific place or region, as they are measured for a specific purpose. The statistical data set is written to include or exclude race, sex, age or age groups, genetics, economic classes, culture restrictions, dietary restrictions, disease states, driving habits, marriage status, children's status the list can go on forever. But no data points can include everybody in the entire world. Therefore, a statistical survey is completed with a specific hypothesis and goal in mind. A data set is collected from a specific target group, and that subset of that group is surveyed. That group must contain all elements and specifications of the target group in equal parts. It cannot be tainted with other elements as to flaw the study. That survey, after being conducted, is then analyzed and the goal is either reached or the study fails. Other results can then be reached from further analysis from the data, but they must consider the elements and the specifications of the target group. Unfortunately that is not what was done with the addiction statistics analysis. The target group was not addicts who took prescription opioids. Unfortunately, the people conducting the survey did not separate the type of opioids illegal versus legal and prescription opioids, very few in percentage to the study 0.02%, were included. They also did not focus on how the addictions began. This requires substantial questioning and it was not a focus of the study in statistics. After the statistics were analyzed for the study, other analysis began. The statistics were then extrapolated to the general population. This means that a specific set of data for a specific target group were then applied to the entire population, healthy, urgent care, chronic care, rare disease, 
everyone, and the statistical risk applied across the nation. This is not statistically accurate. A high-risk population of an addicted target group carries higher risk statistically for many issues than the general population mainly to become addicted to opioids. Hence you see the figures of 24% of all prescription opioids lead to addiction. Extrapolated from this study. In reality, this study yields prescription opioids to produce 0.02% addiction rate, less if you omit those who were not on any other drugs prior to starting the prescription. That statistic calculated out to be 0.00089%. Roughly. Statistics can be manipulated to say anything anybody wants them to say. It must come down to the purpose of the data. It can be extrapolated but only within its target group. Dash. This was a severe injustice to the lives of American citizens and the DEA knows it. The CDC knows it and that's why they have backed off on the guidelines. To wait until 2022 to release these new guidelines is an injustice to the entire world not just this country and they know it and the DEA knows it. It's time to collar the thugs.